new mothers in the rooms who's this is their first Mother's Day? Oh, they in the mother's caring room, probably. Um, I was reflecting this week about my first Mother's Day. Um, I had my firstborn in October, so I had a good six months to really cash in and experience motherhood before um, Mother's Day rolled around. And I remember distinctly, he's just walking in the room now, um, better be on my best behaviour. I remember distinctly, though, my husband, Kane asking me, um, yes, he's still, Paul, you might want to backtrack. Um, <laughs> He just asked me out of the blue, oh, what would make your life easier, um, in, you know, as a new mum and everything? And if I'd only known then that that was the loaded question, you know what my response was? And he might remember what he actually bought me on my first Mother's Day. I said that, that it wouldn't take me so long to get my hair done in the morning. Okay, just hold that thought for a second. Um, so new mother, if you're going to be a mother in the future, really think if your husband's asking you a question like that, what your response should be. I pondered with April this week, all mothers, I think I'd want to cook. I'd like someone to help me with the cooking, a butler service. That's what I should have said, but I went the hairline. So what he got me for my first Mother's Day, do you remember? Yep, a hairdryer. But... <laughs> You know what? I know. My husband's very practical. I'm the emotional in our relationship. He's very practical, very even-keeled. But to his credit, it was the worst, best present I ever received. It was a Parlux, any hairdressers, Parlux brand. This thing is like I could, I'd blow my hair and literally I'm like a windswept you know, Marilyn Monroe, it's dry in 10 seconds, uh, 10 minutes, so it really did do the job. The best, the worst, best present I ever received. So, and I gave him so much rubbish for it, but it really is. Um, now he just asks me what I want, so, um, but anyway. Um, so today I just wanted to, I'm just really honoured to be here. I really love how the Holy Spirit has been weaving um, over the past few weeks this beautiful discourse. Um, we've experienced some significant events in our, our calendar, Easter, Anzac Day, and now here we are on Mother's Day. And they've all had their own distinct themes, yet had this kind of beautiful overlap. So today's message, I hope, fits within this significant discourse. It's such a privilege, as I said, to be here sharing with you. I said, Charles, please get a guest speaker. These people deserve someone new, but here I am. This is such a privilege to be with you. Um, But I believe this message today really draws together some layers, and it's certainly in what has been shared today, it's just set my heart on fire to see what the Holy Spirit has done even in in today. So praying that this will bring you a new perspective, if not affirm some spiritual stirrings that you have within you. But the title of my message is Love the Genes You're In. And of course, by genes, I mean our genetic makeup. I did actually, this is a bit of a rip-off moment, but I did actually preach a version of this um, many, many years ago. I think it was either just before having Thomas or just having, uh, very soon after having Thomas. But it's like when you read the Bible, um, the same verse over and over again, and when you're in a different moment in your life, the revelation just comes. And so I really believe I want to be faithful to the call of God. So this is... 2.0 version. Um, I'm, I'm very passionate about, obviously, um, you know, being aware of the Holy Spirit. So revisiting this message with you, hopefully it's either a, further down the experience of motherhood or certainly at a different point in my life that I can share with you today. But I want to focus on three different genes. 
Firstly, physical genes. Secondly, spiritual genes. And thirdly, heavenly genes. So I'm going to play, get you to play a video if you don't mind, Mel, um, and I'll explain it afterwards. Stay away from big trees falling down on your house and stay together. And, and you need a jacket, an umbrella and pants. Thank you for the weather report. Bye. my children that's obviously Thomas six-year-old doing a weather report last year in lockdown and I we Kane and I were down there filming he'd written his own script he'd rehearsed it and then I just let the camera roll and I said oh it'd be lovely if you did a little song at the end and it was just we couldn't believe it we're so shocked um, at his response but there's no denying it these are my children They reek of me, don't they? So it's even though um, Thomas, everyone tells me, is a mini version, he's identical to his father. And really, if you do actually know Cain, those are Cain's dance moves, not mine. So, um, but it's very clear that they are an observable, like observably mini versions of us. You know, Greg spoke very specifically to the way we view ourselves in the mirror and seeing ourselves as God sees us. So this is so necessary and extends to looking at ourselves as a makeup of our parental heritage. I think there is a need to be reminded today of where we come from physically. As Greg pointed out, the media and social media platforms particularly are perpetuating images of idealistic demigods of self. And the very design of the algorithm and attitudes of social media platforms and giants in this realm aim to feed us more of the same. It sounds all very doom and gloom, doesn't it? The media is bad. And on the contrary, I love the media. I make a career on the media. I love looking at the way um, it's put together and the dynamic and changing relationship that we have. But it's about keeping a perspective of what this world is and aligning our reliance not on who the media tells us to be, but what is affirmed by truth in the Word of God. We need to stop the comparison, stop wishing we were someone we aren't and start to realise that our physical DNA has been designed and stitched together and we therefore have been created exactly as we are to carry out the plans and purposes of God. God equips us, not the world. And in Psalm 139 verses 13 to 16, this is the message version because I love the language. It says this, 
Oh yes, you shaped me first, inside then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvellously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know, know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. You know, your genetic makeup is so perfectly suited to the plans and purposes God has for you. It has taken me a long time to, I guess, come to terms with myself and like what I see. Not because I didn't love and admire who my parents were and are, but of course there were aspects about my physical characteristics that I didn't like. But being further along in the journey of life and seeing how God has used me for His plans and purposes, the specific genetic attributes I struggled to like about myself are of course the very things used and needed by God with, of course, the prompting of the Holy Spirit to live as an example for Him. The physical genetics that I was born with make me perfectly suited to the role and purposes and plans that God has for me on earth. And so if we start to question or fault our genes or our physical and personal and unique characteristics, we are turning our attention away from heavenly appointments and created for design perfection, which will lead to a path of discontentment because we have lost the point of why we were created in the first place. You know, it's exhausting trying to change or hide who you are and working against who you were created to be. I feel it's also, I want to be really sensitive at this point in time and I think it's really vital and important to state here that you are not a reflection of your parents. I'm very sensitive of the fact that there could be a history, an emotional history between you and your parents, but for whatever reason, bigger than you and I know, your genetic makeup was hand selected by God and as such needed to form a necessary combination. It says a bit of this, bit by bit, bit of this and a bit of that. Forming who your physical being is. You are your own person, but the physical attributes that we need to carry out the work and fulfil the plans and purposes also require a physical presence. Body and certain characteristics to do it. And also, of course, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose, Romans 8.28. If you have a relationship with God, if you love Him, you are called according to His purpose, 
which I believe is very strongly extended to your physical creation where you've been intricately woven and the genes chosen from your parental heritage is to be used all for good and all for good for God himself. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Because God knows the plans, both past, present and those of your future, knows all about your life, what issues you would and will face, the people you would and will come into contact with, the life that you would and will encounter, he had to find, this what kind of blows my mind, find the perfect genetic makeup to give you the exact tools and capabilities that you will need to take into every circumstance, every walk, every opportunity and to affect your world during your lifetime. It's so much bigger than what we see in our natural selves. This, this grand plan, this weaving together of genes and genetic to just to make your physical form. I mean, really. And as a mother, as I look at that video of my son and daughter, as well as being, of course, an oozingly proud mummy, I see children who are confident, children who are passionate, expressive, capable, dramatic, humorous. And I wonder why they need these attributes or what genetic makeup did God know that Thomas and Georgia need in order to fulfil their future plans and the purpose for the kingdom. And as we see Taylor standing up here, a feisty, gonna be a feisty woman. World, look out. What, is, what are those characteristics that she will need? What is she gonna encounter in her life? Is she gonna be a president? Is she gonna be a world leader? Well, with those attributes, the, who knows what God's plans are? But the fact that she's been chosen with these beautiful parents in mind for her genetic build, it's going to be incredible. So what will my, my son and daughter encounter in their futures for this perfect combination that they are of physical DNA? What are the, how are they going to extend the kingdom of God on earth in their lifetime? What impact will these two energetic children make because of their genetic build? Second point, spiritual DNA. Now, I'm wary of time. I know that Mother's Day is like lunch date. You know, we've got lunch plans. So I wanted to read Exodus chapter 2, but that's a lot of Bible. So I will, in your own time, we're talking about the birth of Moses. We're talking about the moment where Jochebed places him into the bulrushes for Pharaoh's daughter. There's my cool synopsis for you. The, the cliff notes as, we, as they are sometimes referred to. So I definitely recommend um, camping in there this week. But at the time that this particular passage of Scripture was written, you have to understand that Egypt, the time of it in Egypt, was not a pretty one. 
We find the children of Israel being subjected, God's chosen people, to a life of extreme fear and oppression under the rule of the Egyptian Pharaoh. They are enslaved, whipped, beaten and mocked by the Egyptians. So on the social scene, I reckon you could say very safely that they are on the bottom rung. But as much as Pharaoh tried to control them, and suppress the Israelites, the rate, this is what kills me, the rate of population growth threatened the very regime. Like they were rabbits, like it was just incredible. Um, so every time he tried to suppress and keep them under rule and control, they're just like, yeah, populate, I'm populating the earth with my, with my offspring. Brilliant. So to control this, Pharaoh introduced the law that every Hebrew boy born had to be killed, but not the daughters. So this is kind of the political and social climate um, where Hebrew woman Jochebed was living under and why she had to hide, hide Moses in the bulrushes. But if you'll indulge me for just a moment, I want to camp back on what that Jeremiah 29:11 verse says. What does it say? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to? That's a good class, well done. And not to harm you, plans to give you a? And a? Oh, you guys get A plus from me today. Um, but we have, if we have the faith to believe God and the faith to believe that this verse is truth, Then Jochebed being a godly woman, I'm surmising that she would have prayed and sought God's wisdom for her son at the point. She realised that she could no longer hide him um, from being discovered. So I want to reiterate at this moment, God's plans prosper. God's plans are to prosper. So through my own maternal eyes, my own mother's eyes, I've read this scripture and I thought, this plan seems like the worst plan ever. Bulrushes beside the Nile. Let's do a quick risk assessment on that one. Drowning, crocodiles, stranger danger, basket could leak, uh, a wind could sweep the basket down river. Um, imagine of all the places you go, oh, I'm going to hide my child. Yeah, I'll put it next to a river. It's crazy land. But this plan turned out to be the right the right choice because we know that this is the plan she followed, that she exercised, I can only gather, an enormous amount of spiritual trust and placed her baby, her son, in the hands of God. For anyone, parent, auntie, caregiver, father, grandfather, whatever, doesn't your heart just sink at that thought? The desperation of a mother... Let's go of her child trusting that God's plans are to prosper. She also submitted her own desires as a mother and then selflessly submitted herself to God. And I think I sometimes read Old Testament and think it's so far removed from our society, but I saw visions of when the Taliban took over and people handing their children to out of desperation to US Army, not knowing their future. This is a reality that happened then and can still happen today. Mother's heart. Oh, hold it in, Annalie. Uh, No doubt there would have been physical features 
and characteristics, physical genes that Moses would carry that resembled his birth mother. Because remember, then he's raised in Pharaoh's house. But I reckon he would have looked like his mum. Don't you reckon? But something more powerful and more profound occurred at this time. It was a moment we see a spiritual heritage being passed on to Moses. If I can summarise the huge and full life of Moses, we had a glimpse of it when Charles brought that scripture before, and look at the spiritual DNA that Moses exhibited, they were first exhibited by his mother. Trust. Like Jochebed, when she trusted God with her son, Moses also trusted God implicitly. And by trusting God, he was given the plan. Moses continually checked in and listened to the voice of God for every move, every decision and in every moment. And because of his trust in his God, Moses entered into unimaginable, an unimaginable season of growth. He had wisdom and an understanding in his relationship with God that was intimate and that remains still to this day an example to us as Christians. Selflessness. Jochebed acted selflessly by submitting to God and putting God's plans above her own. Moses too acted selflessly by giving up a life of entitlement to answer God's calling to save the children of Israel. This was his purpose. Although he was raised as a grandson of Pharaoh within the palace walls, a life of honour and privilege, he, however, made the decision to defend the Hebrew man, probably reflective of his own physical DNA and an inner yearning for my people, and kill the Egyptian. Therefore, drawing a line in the sand and turning his back on this lifestyle to follow God's purpose for his life. And all this occurred because one woman, a mother, first showed trust and selflessness to save her son. You know, at the time, the magnitude of this decision to trust and obey God would not only fulfil the plans of her life. Think about it. She's the mother of three incredible leaders in the Exodus generation, Moses, Aaron and Miriam, but would also lead to God's higher plan and purpose that her very son would be the one to lead an entire population, bunny rabbits, remember, out of bondage, out of slavery and into God's promised land. We focus on the man that Moses was, but if it wasn't for one mother's spiritual DNA, then who knows what those history books would look like. So whatever role you play in your world, do others as a parent, grandparent, we've spoken about it, you, are, you have that call of motherhood on your life, whether you're a natural mother or not, or a father, a neighbour, a mentor, you name it. It doesn't just look like, of course, a parent, but what is a spiritual DNA that you are passing on in your sphere of influence? What will be your spiritual legacy? 
Finally, our heavenly DNA. Dan, I'm like, get you up on keys, please. It's pretty straightforward. The second we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, we were welcomed into the family, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Our heavenly DNA resoundingly speaks of a heritage, a legacy of forgiveness that knows no bounds, of an indescribable love that knows no limits, of a Saviour's heart for restoration and relationship. All the good things of this world have been created by our Heavenly Father. That's what we were worshipping about today. You are good, all good. He has generously made a place for all those who seek after Him. And that's what we carry. That's what we carry. What we declare with our words, our actions, our physical being, and what resides in the very knowledge of who we are, who we are created to be and what we have been called to do. This heavenly DNA is the motivation behind every action, every circumstance, anything we find ourselves in. It is what sets us apart from everyone else. So as I come to a close, I wanna leave you with some questions to ponder. I haven't got the answers, but I got the questions. What physical DNA <laughs> Look at my mother, sorry. <laughs> Bad move, I should have looked somewhere else. What physical DNA, because I'm so proud of who I am because of my parental heritage. There's been a beautiful atmosphere in the room today, don't you, Real? Don't you think? God's just putting together and stirring hearts towards Him today and I just give Him all the glory. What physical DNA or physical characteristics that you've been gifted and created with has helped you carry out the plans and purposes of God? What spiritual DNA have you either inherited from your parents or from someone else that you're now passing on to others? Or what spiritual decisions and actions reveal your relationship and point people towards our Heavenly Father. And finally, the most important question of all, I ask you today, if you are not 100% without a shadow of a doubt, certain that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you carry the heavenly DNA of Jesus Christ. And by that I mean, you've never made a decision to follow Him, recognise Him as Lord and Saviour. <sighs> Understanding that He took the place for us 
dying on that cross as a sacrifice for all the things that we do wrong. The sin that we as humans commit daily, that He took that to Calvary, died, but then on the third day, rose again. If you don't have that assurance or knowledge, I ask with every head bowed and every eye closed for privacy reasons, I would ask you to raise your hand so that I might see it and pray with you and for you today. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, Lord around us, I pray for anyone here who's making a decision for the first time for you, Lord God, that the minute they have now accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, their names are written in the book and the heavenly DNA of Jesus Christ is now with them, carrying them through life and the life that they encounter. Lord, I just wanna thank You for every purposed being and purposed human in this place that You've created them perfectly, designed for Your plans and purposes. And I just wanna give You thanks today. I think it's all about giving You the glory today and thanking You for who You are and everything that You have given us in our physical sense, our spiritual DNA, and of course, our heavenly expression. In Jesus' holy, holy and mighty, 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 mighty Name, Amen.